Aloha, everyone, and welcome to Hawaii, the state of clean energy. We're back. I'm your host, Mitch Yuen. Our underwriter is the Hawaii Energy Policy Forum. That's a program of the Hawaii Natural Energy Institute. I'm very pleased today to welcome back our guest. He's been on the show before, Adam Strubeck. He's a graduate uh, research assistant with the Hawaii Energy Policy Forum, and we're going to be talking story today about a new concept in agriculture, which is a form of energy called agrivoltaics, the future of farming. Adam, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me back on, Mitch. Always a pleasure. So uh, what's the background of agrivoltaics? How did, what, what was the start of this? Uh, concept. I think the start of the concept is that we're realizing that we're going to need a lot of land for producing solar energy. Um, and it so happens that solar energy and farming both require lots of sunny, flat ground. Uh, so the idea of agrivoltaics is that we can maximize our usage of land, something that we don't have a lot of here in Hawaii, and make sure that we're getting the most out of the available farmland that we do have, and make sure that we're also producing lots of renewable energy using photovoltaics. So uh, the uh, the real start of this was you entered a contest, uh, I think it was at the School of Business. Can you tell us a little bit about the, your contest and how well you did? Yeah, so the contest was through the Federal Office of Technology Transitions. I was introduced to the context, contest through my affiliation with the Hawaii Energy Policy Forum, and they were looking for innovative ideas for photovoltaic energy production. So I tried to create a design that would uh, be conducive to agrivoltaics here in our tropical environment of Hawaii, as a lot of the agrivoltaics research is conducted on the mainland, which is a temperate ecosystem. My team did very well. We got recognized as a finalist in the solar category. Um, so I was happy to represent both UH and the Policy Forum in this effort. Well, congratulations. Well done. Uh, let's uh, flip to the first uh, slide, the next slide. About, we'll talk about a little bit more about conflicting land uses because this is pretty key to the whole concept of why we're doing this. Let's talk about it because, you know, solar installers love flat agricultural land to put their solar panels on. It's easy for them to do. They don't have to do any grading or put in any fancy foundations, but it eats up good ag, ag land, which uh, we, we need to grow our food and grow our animals. So uh, why don't you talk a little bit about it? I think you have some data here, which is really interesting. Let's go through this uh, slide a little bit there. The National Renewable Energy Laboratory, or NREL, uh, posted this graphic, which is a visualization of the conflicting land uses between agriculture, the urban environment, and solar installations. They conducted a study called the Solar Futures Study, which estimates that we're going to produce around 45% of our energy from solar panels by the year 2050. Wow. Uh, however, this study estimates that we're going to need an additional 4 to 10 million acres in order to install all of this solar capacity. Um, this is also coming at a time where you know food prices are rising and we really have to prioritize uh, locally grown agriculture. So it's really a question of how do we balance these two needs of uh, energy and food. Okay, well, the next slide uh, gives us a little bit more detail about uh, agrivoltaics. So why don't you work your way through this and explain it to our audience of how this actually works. So agrivoltaics goes by a few different names, including agrisolar, dual-use dual solar, low-impact solar, and solar grazing. But basically what it is is co-locating agriculture and photovoltaic panels or solar panels. So the USDA defines agrivoltaics as the use of land for both agriculture and solar photovoltaic energy. 
Um, but really, agrivoltaics is expanding to become more than just uh, what you would think of as traditional agriculture. Uh, agrivoltaic systems can be used to produce livestock, um, ecosystem services, as well as habitat for pollinators, which is a really important aspect of sustainable agriculture these days. So tell us what a pollinator is. A pollinator would be bees, flies, moths, all different kinds of insects that allow us to produce food. Um, and we're really relying on these species uh, to grow all our food, but we're also cutting down their habitat at the same time. So balancing these uses between having land for agriculture, having land for pollinators, um, and having land for solar is what agrivoltaics is trying to, to reconcile. Yeah, those pollinators are really uh, important in the total ecosystem. If we didn't have them, we'd be all starving to death. So we need to take care of our bees. I'm not so sure about the flies, but bees are nice. Yeah. So um, you've got a couple of uh, models on our next slide that uh, we can work your way through. Yes. Yeah, so this is a summary graphic also produced by NREL, the National Renewable Energy Laboratory. And this is produced as part of their INSPIRE research. INSPIRE stands for Innovative Solar Practices Integrated with Rural Economies and Ecosystems. It's kind of a mouthful, but consolidated down, it stands INSPIRE. Uh, they produce these five C's to help new and existing farms that want to get into agrivoltaics. So the five C's are climate, configuration, crops, compatibility, and collaboration. Um, so this is kind of a comprehensive overview of what a new farm would need to take into account if they are to get into agrivoltaics. And that's what configuration do you use? What are your underlying conditions of the climate and the piece of real estate that you're working on? What's your compatibility with the local grid? And are you off grid? Are you connected to the grid? Um, as well as what organizations and companies you're collaborating with in order to make an agrivoltaic operation. So let's uh, go to the next slide because I think the next slide has some examples. Am I correct? There yes. So the top three panels here, crop production, animal husbandry, and ecosystem services. These would be the traditional utility sale scale solar configurations, which are long rows of solar panels that a lot of viewers may be familiar with. But now the research is moving towards the bottom three panels, which would be considered alternative configurations. Um, and these configurations allow for more airflow, light, uh, allow animals to pass in between solar panels, as well as allow farm equipment to operate in between the rows of solar panels. So this allows us to maximize the use of land for both agricultural production and solar voltaic production. So if you look at the slide, uh, the upper middle one in the upper row, you see a lot of sheep grazing under there. That's that's the way they also uh, control the grass, because otherwise they'd have to put mowers in there. And the, the sheep uh, make a much better mower. They get everything. <laughs> and uh, sometimes I think they eat the wires, which you have to be concerned about protecting your cables and everything else like that. But I notice in the, the one down below from it, uh, you've actually got cows grazing underneath it, which is kind of interesting as well. The one on the bottom right, I have a little bit of experience. My friend uh, Dennis Furukawa, you know, we, he went a long way down the road towards uh, putting uh, PV panels on greenhouses. And um, it, it was a very interesting uh, engineering uh, trade-off for the number of panels you could have on, on the greenhouse uh, roof, because, you know, when you have a panel there, it also blocks the sun. So it's an interesting trade-off. And one of the other good things about it, too, is it controls the amount of water you use. So the greenhouse uses much less water than just open fields. And, you know, we're coming into a water crunch. I think we're almost there now here in Hawaii. We've got to start drilling for new water supplies. So let's talk about the potential 
potential uh, for Hawaii? Most of the research that's been done for agrivoltaics is focused on the mainland and temperate ecosystems. But the potential for Hawaii is what I'm trying to consider with my research. And we're thinking now that there's great potential for advancing community resilience and food security by using agrivoltaics as well as accomplishing the mission of speeding the transition to decarbonized energy systems. Um, and finally, sort of a bonus feature of pursuing agrivoltaics is that we can actually restore land with agroforestry systems, um, sort of like what we were talking about with creating habitat for pollinators. We can actually give back to the land and create a better environment while also pursuing renewable energy, something that people may not realize is possible before this research. Well, let's talk a little bit about how you can renew the forest with this uh, multi-storied agroforestry system. I think the next slide uh, give a little bit of a demonstration, but could you kind of walk our way through this slide to show how that might Yes. Yeah, so this is a diagram of a Pacific agroforestry system. What's key to know about this system is that um, you can find them throughout Pacific islands. Um, they're very dense forests, but they're very productive. Uh, there's plants growing at different vertical levels. So there's an overstory layer, a canopy layer, and then an understory and ground crop layer. So if you were to picture yourself walking around a tropical forest, you notice that there's very tall trees growing around you, but then also trees that are growing by your feet and shrubs that are all producing different yields at different layers of the forest. Um, not to mention that these systems are culturally significant as they often yield food, uh, fiber, medicinal crops, uh, flowers, seeds. And finally, these systems are carbon negative as well. So not only are we moving along this transition to decarbonize energy systems, but these systems would uh, sequester carbon both in the soil and the plants. And in the root structure as well. I think the root structure is one of the most important things uh, for decarbonization. And uh, when the tree dies or whatever, or you have a forest fire, the uh, carbon produced goes in, but stays in the soil and is a, a soil enrichment uh, uh, substance. So that's all good. Allows microbes to grow better, um, maintains water capacity, so it just doesn't flow through like it would if it was on sand. So it's really good for the, for the soil. You have in the Amazon, they found a terra preta, which uh, in way back, you know, 2000 years ago, they used to do burns and then leave it there. And so some of that stuff is like, you know, 10 feet underground, and now they mine it and sell it for potting soil. So now we're going to go to the the, um, the secret sauce here. So let's uh, pull up the next slide and, and describe your secret sauce, your, your little gizmo here. Yeah, so this is the product that uh, my partner and I, Chance Pennington, submitted for the uh, solar competition project. We coined it as the PV tree, but really what it is is an alternative configuration of agrivoltaics that would be well-suited for the tropics. Um, and it's sort of modeled after an overstory layer tree, which would likely be a, a palm tree in our case. So it's designed with a concrete base, metal uh, mainframe, and then six solar panels that would be used to harvest solar energy while allowing light to uh, light and water to percolate through down to plants that would be able to be grown underneath. So everybody's going to wonder, how big a base do you need uh, You know, because of wind loading and all that kind of stuff? Talk a little bit about the base. So the base would be solid concrete, um, and there's actually different methods of uh, sustainable concrete that people are researching now. Um, I think some of you are even made out of agricultural materials. So for future research, we'd, we'd really want to figure out the best way to mitigate this concrete base. But the idea is that the concrete base would allow the structure to withstand up to 100 mile an hour winds. 
And to further protect against wind damage, the panels would be able to uh, be removed in case there was like a large storm coming through. Oh, that's kind of interesting. How would you actually remove the panels? Is that, that, isn't that a big job? Or, do, or does it fold down like an umbrella? The way we designed it would be that the panels would slide into pre-manufactured holes in the, uh, in the mainframe. Oh, cool. So it would require some labor to remove the panels. Another key function of the design is that the panels could be installed at variable heights. And this would allow you to start to grow your forest and control the amount of shade that you're uh, that you're really producing for the trees. Because you really want to protect the trees while they're, while they're young. Because normally in a forest, trees grow under larger trees. So right. the small young trees are growing in an environment of sort of a dappled shade environment. So this yeah. Coffee, coffee trees, and I think, I'm not sure about macadamia nut trees, but they, they all like being in the shade, as I understand it, from my, my friend Dave Donald. That's right. So, so there are potential applications for what we'd consider high-value agricultural products. Coffee and macadamia nuts are both uh, one of these products. So I think the idea with this PV tree is that it could be marketed to individuals, communities, and even farms and ranches that wanted to, to grow in the tropics. Yeah, so these uh, high-value crops, um, that's what I, I think, you know, what, you know, we had Dave Donald on here uh, about five or six months ago to talk about his coffee. And it was unbelievable. Like, if you have this uh, designer coffee or specialty coffee, they can get about $4,000 a pound, which is unbelievable amount. I mean, you know, on the, uh, the preppies, you know, in San Francisco, they'll pay $70 for a little semi-demi-cast cast of, of uh, coffee, you know, the real coffee lovers. And of course, they're trying to get all the various tastes and all that kind of stuff. It's a real, a really interesting uh, market. So uh, also, um, you know, uh, cacao. I mean, I went, to, there's a cacao farm up in the North Shore. I went up there with my friend, uh, Dennis, and check that out. There's another high value agricultural product. And they uh, they actually process it in Kailua. And uh, they have a, a really nice little chocolate factory there, here, right here in, on, the, on the North Shore. So um, moving on, you talked about growing with the forest. So uh, let's talk a little bit about more about agrivoltaics in Hawaii. Yeah, so the idea behind our business model is that in order for there to be a robust agrivoltaic industry in Hawaii, there would need to be planning that goes into the agrivoltaic systems, but also planning in terms of resilience for communities as a lot of communities or agricultural operations that are off-grid would not only require the solar trees, but robust battery systems um, to be able to handle their electrical needs in terms of processing agricultural products or being able to power their equipment when they're not able to connect to the traditional electrical grid. So let's look at the next slide because we have an example of a, an electric tractor, which was featured on Dave Donald's show by a select track. There's, I think uh, when we did our show, there were only two in Hawaii, one on the North Shore. I think Jack Johnson had one and then Dave bought one, and he does everything with that thing. So that would be ideal to be able to charge his uh, tractor, you know, when he stops. Uh, if he's in the, you know, the agrivoltaic forest, as it were, he can plug in his uh, tractor and run all his stuff and keep his charge up as he goes through his daily daily uh, chores. 
and he runs everything from that uh, tractor. Like he has a power takeoff unit, so he has sprayers and uh, you know fertilizer distributors. It's amazing what these tractors do. They're just like a, a horse of, with multiple uh, applications on them. Yeah, I think as a further iteration of the solar tree design, there would actually be a battery that could be incorporated, um, perhaps into the base or somewhere close by, so that a solar tree could be located in a field and then the solar tractor could just pull up to the tree and get a quick charge versus having to travel back all the way to wherever the main base for that tractor is. So you'd actually be able to expand the area that you're able to use your tractor. So that's some further idea that we're exploring with the PV tree design. Just a rush of, you know what, to the brain. I was thinking, you know, you could also power LED lights. They use LED lights of different frequencies. I know for growing marijuana, they do. Uh, And uh, different uh, plants uh, react to different wavelengths of light depending on their growing cycle. So that would be really good for growing high-value agricultural crops if you could, you know, uh, feed a whole string of uh, photovoltaic lights with your photovoltaic system. That'd be awesome. That's right. And there's another emerging technology within the solar field, and that's... um, controlling what wavelengths of light they're letting to pass through the solar panels, so semi-transparent solar panels. So potentially you'd be able to let certain wavelengths of light pass through your solar panels and go to the plants below. So that would allow you to have a way to further control the conditions of your of the plants that you're growing. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, policy because we are the policy forum here. And uh, so let's talk a little bit about both about uh, ag use uh, permitting, and then what kind of policies do we need to help us along here in Hawaii? Well, right now the state has an important agricultural land designation. Um, So that's basically classifying what agricultural lands are very important to our economic development. Um, So we may not want to put agrivoltaics on those lands because it would be limiting our production there. But on all the other lands that are still used for agriculture, I think there's a large potential for agrivoltaic production because maybe you'd have to sacrifice a small amount of crop, but that would be made up for by the amount of PV energy that you're producing. So I think the policy that's needed is to identify which lands would be viable for agrivoltaics and then provide incentives for farmers to be able to incorporate these kinds of systems. So, I mean, similar incentives to what people, uh, you know, rooftop solar and all that kind of stuff. Is that, is, is that what we're talking about? I think so, as well as financing uh, assistance. You know, these installing solar panels is never the cheapest thing to do. So in order for farmers to feel comfortable taking the leap to install these systems, they need both technical assistance and financing assistance. Um, are there any of these systems currently in Hawaii now that you know of? I do know of several um, on the island of Oahu. Uh, I believe there's a sheep agrivoltaic system. And actually, a funny story about that is I read that they initially tried to use goats, but the goats were standing on top of the solar panels (laughs) and also chewing on the wires of the system. So that just goes to show that not every alternative configuration works as well as the others. So you really have to dial in which, which crops and which animals you want to use. Yeah, I think uh, Hawaii Gas had a quite a large PV array up on the North Shore, up by Kenia, you know, the town Mililani up there, and and uh, they were putting sheep down there to to graze. So um, it was a pretty big operation, as I recall. Um, so what else can we uh, talk about? We've got about uh, five minutes left, I think. So what's top of mind for you now? Uh, what's your ne- What are your next steps? And do you want to make an actual business out of this? Like, you know, I I was talking to the Office of Technology Transfer. 
And they have all sorts of programs there now at the university for, you know, budding entrepreneurs, make entrepreneurs grow. So are you planning to take this to the next step and put all this good uh, work to use? Well, right now I'm focusing on finishing my degree, but I'm certainly keeping this this idea and this presentation in my back pocket, you know, as a potential business to explore after graduation. I am passionate about the transition to decarbonized energy systems. And I certainly feel that agrivoltaics plays a large part in that, especially here in Hawaii. Not to mention that we were talking about these high value agricultural products. A key part of that would be a rising tide lifts all ships. So if we're able to to grow more of these high value agricultural products that would be able to diversify our economy away from tourism and just bring more more dollars into the state overall. Well, I'd like to show the last slide because it's a really nice uh, view of what this thing might, a bird's eye view. So why don't you just uh, go through that a little bit? We have a little bit of time, so we're not in a rush to finish this anytime soon. So tell, tell us what, what we're seeing here now. Yeah, so this was a visualization of a, a small scale, I guess, energy agroforest or imagined energy agroforest. Uh, we calculated that with three solar trees, which would be uh, 18 panels, 18 300 watt solar panels, yeah. That would be able to provide the energy that you would need for a medium-sized household here in Hawaii. So I think this would this could be like a backyard or even small community system that could be employed. Um, I think the next step in you know this idea as a business would be a proof of concept. So I think if you were able to create maybe like a community garden or if you had an individual that wanted to install this in your backyard, that would be the next step towards this as a proof of concept and viable business strategy. Yeah, that might be a nice option that people could add to their backyard so they can grow their own food, you know. You know, most people, not most people, but people who do have backyards, I mean, this, and it also provides shade so the kids can run around without getting sunburned. And so you can actually uh, put your property to use. It's kind of like dual or triple use. Yeah, and as one final note, I think that there's kind of an unexplored potential in remote island communities for agrivoltaics. There's a lot of talk about using agrivoltaics for utility scale PV systems. But I think there's a lot of unexplored applications for emergency preparedness and response. Um, you know, having redundant systems that are able to provide energy in case of emergency right. or uh, if you lose connection to the main power grid. Yeah, exactly. So I think we're going to wrap it up now. Uh, if they want to get in contact with you, how do they do that? I think we have a, a, your email address on that last slide. There yeah, is. I'm located within the Department of Urban and Regional Planning here at UH Manoa. Um, as well as serving as a graduate assistant for the Hawaii Energy Policy Forum. Um, so yeah, if anyone's interested, feel free to send me an email. Yeah. We have any investors out there that like this idea? Maybe go to one of these accelerator things and uh, you know develop your business plan more and launch it. And like I said, the university's got some very interesting uh, supporting programs now where they actually have money available for uh, young budding entrepreneurs like potentially yourself. So uh, it's been fascinating listening to this. It's a great idea, Adam, and uh, congratulations on your, your being one of the finalists in the contest. That's really great, and uh, it's a really nice idea. So this is uh, Mitch Yuen. Uh, we're uh, going to uh, leave it there now. Uh, you've been listening to Hawaii, the state of clean energy, and with we've been talking to Adam Skubuk, a graduate assistant with the Energy Policy Forum our alma mater, and we've been talking a story about a new concept in agriculture that combines agriculture with photovoltaics called agrivoltaics. So thank you, Adam, for sharing this concept with us. Thank you for having me on, Mitch. Appreciate Great. it.
And thanks to our viewers for tuning in. I'm Mitch Yuen. We'll be back in two weeks with another great episode of Hawaii, the state of clean energy. Aloha, everyone. Thank you so much for watching Think Tech Hawaii. If you like what we do, please like us and click the subscribe button on YouTube and the follow button on Vimeo. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and donate to us at thinktechhawaii.com. Mahalo. Thank you.